Every woman, regardless of hair texture, deserves a wig that resembles the hair they lost. And our guest is the co-founder and COO of Coils to Locks, ethnically inspired wigs that help women of color look and feel good. And oh my gosh, founders launching a consumer product company comes with a whole lot of unique challenges and you are going to learn so much from this delicious conversation and inspirational conversation. It's Fab Female Founder Friday on the Startup Life Live Show. Let's glow, everyone. Hello, and welcome to the Startup Life Live Show. I'm your host, Andy Lyons, four times founder and startup champion to founders around the world, and happy 2023. This is our first episode of the new year, and I have a special wish for you. May 2023 be structured enough for success and achievement and flexible enough for creativity and fun. Woohoo! I'm so grateful you carved out time to tune in and up your founder game. These conversations will take you to a whole new level of understanding your founder journey, right? And as you do better, your startup will do better. A big yoo-hoo to the live viewers out there. Hey, let us know where you're hailing from. And a hearty welcome to replay viewers and podcast listeners. Your presence means the world to me, and I know you're going to benefit from the conversation today. If you're tuning in from YouTube, please be sure to like this video and share your subscribe love and a click on the bell icon to receive alerts. And by the way, if you haven't done so already, please join the Startup Life Live meetup group. This is where you get the deep dive into each guest that I'm bringing on. You get to kick their tires, check their background, and find perhaps an opportunity to connect with them on LinkedIn and with each other. So join the Startup Life Live meetup group. Um, how are you adjusting to the new year? Did you have a good holiday? Are you excited for what's going to be happening? I want to share a, a quote with you, a little nugget of Andy Licious advice. And so try and take this in. It's a wonderful reminder. Innovation and entrepreneurship never happen without experimentation. And experimentation, rarely if ever, happens without failure. And what characterizes successful innovators is their ability to continuously test their assumptions about the world and adapt accordingly. So remember in 2023 to stay flexible founders, okay? Um, I'm gonna do a quick shout out uh, to Scrubius, okay? Because this is a phenomenal organization led by a fab female founder, Allison Byers, and her team are helping founders have successful experiences in creating the right pitch deck that will attract the best aligned investors for your business. Visit scrubius.com, S-C-R-O-O-B-I-O-U-S, and use Andy15 in the promo code to receive 15% off. And you're going to love what they do. You know, that peer support that you get at Scrubius is as important 
as the pitch deck advice, in my humble opinion. All right, so I'm going to introduce you to our wonderful guest. Let me put this great piece of artwork up here while I introduce you to her. She's the one on the left with her sister, Diane, on the right, and it's Pamela Shattuck, co-founder and COO of Coils to Locks, a social impact for profit enterprise that addresses a healthcare disparity, the lack of coily, curly, ethnically inspired wigs at cancer center hospitals and medical hair loss salons. Pamela and her co-founder and sister, Diane Austin, are intimately aware of how dehumanizing fighting cancer and traction alopecia can be. Even with the best efforts and the most compassionate care, hair loss adds to the feeling of powerlessness and loss of control, especially when you can't find a wig that resembles the hair you lost. And we are going to learn so much from Pamela today. Pamela, welcome to the Startup Life Live show. I'm so happy you're here. Hey, everybody. Hi. <laughs> Thank you for having me. I am happy oh, to be here. And, it's so and great. And we've got some great folks tuning in. Let's say hello to Accented Glory. Hi, everyone. Joining from North oh, Carolina. Oh, Yay. Hey, Tanya. I know Accented Glory. Yeah. Oh, that's great. And, you know, we have a thing here, uh, Accented Glory, Tanya. I'm just going to put it out right now. Amplify your brand. If you've got a business, share your business name, one-liner, and website URL in the comments, and we will showcase and celebrate you and your wonderful startup live on the show. We'll get out the clappers for you. And also, folks, be sure to pop in comments during the live show because we learn from you and our replay listeners and viewers learn from your great questions as we answer them. I also want to say hello to the other dynamic duo of this incredible sister team here at Coils to Locks. Diane Austin. <laughs> She's saying hi to Ruth. Hey. <laughs> Back up here. Hi, Andy. Go, Pamela. Yay, Diane. Yay, yay, yay. <laughs> and, and Ruth, oh. it's so good to see you. Ruth is the Startup Life Live community manager. She's from Nairobi. She's a mom and a hardworking goddess and founder herself. And she just makes sure everybody arrives and feels welcome. And Richard O. Now this is, if you're doing a podcast, everybody, and you want someone to produce your podcast, Richard O is the man. And he's saying greetings from North California. I hope the weather's okay up there for you guys. And then everyone who tunes into the show, you know about Brent Manuel. He's saying happy new year, Andy. Brent from Ottawa, Canada, a diverse person, loyal fan. A seat at the table is important for me. Absolutely. Our disabled friends need to be at the table. And yes, we heard the great news about Center First. So we have a local here in Boston, everybody, Pamela's from Boston and as well. And we have a local fund, VC fund called Mendoza Ventures. And the founders, Adrian and Senefer, have are in the process of raising a hundred million dollar fund for diverse fintech companies, primarily wow. diverse fintech companies. And folks, if you are looking at venture capital, you know that those. Uh, you know, you have the big bell curve, mostly white male, white male, white male, white male, then tiny little bit for white women and then black women. And then we have our Latina, Latinx, but I got to tell you, the female VC is just doesn't even show up. So this is huge. And Bank of America is their anchor funder. So that is just huge. And 
amazing. Got to do a That's quick amazing. shout out to them. So it's Mendoza Ventures, folks. If you've got a fintech company, go check them out. And Diane, Tanya of Accented Glory has a wonderful business brand of beautiful jewelry. Okay, we've put it out to the world, Tanya. <laughs> thank you for that, Diane. All right, so let's get into your entrepreneurship journey, Pamela, because I got to tell you, this, you know, <laughs> I always say you always win when you launch a business. It's the best personal development program out there. Woo, yes. <laughs> you, get, <laughs> you get to tap into so many delicious parts of yourself. But, you know, please share why you and your sister were compelled to launch Coils and lock, Two Locks. And, yeah. you know, talk about the healthcare disparity part, you know, about how getting wigs and the insurance part and the healthcare disparity. I want to learn what called and compelled you both to say, you know what? No one else is doing it. We're going to do it. Yeah. I mean, Diane and I... Um started Coils to Locks. And as you said, and in, in beautifully in the bio, we're a social impact for-profit business um, that's disrupting a healthcare disparity. And so the business was born of Diane's lived experience uh, as a breast cancer patient. She was uh, diagnosed in 2015. She's, she's fine now, um, but uh, she, in 2015, yay. <laughs> in 2015, she was diagnosed with breast cancer. Um, and as part of that treatment was told that she was going to lose all of her, her hair. Mm -hmm. Um, and of course, you know, as you can imagine for any woman, that's, that's devastating for anybody, but for, for definitely for Diane, um, and she was given, um, what's called a cranioprosthesis, which is basically a wig prescription, um, and told, you know, from her oncologist that she could go to any cancer center, hospital, boutique, or medical hair, hair loss salon with this prescription and her health, she had great health insurance. Her uh, insurance uh, paid would pay for up to $350 uh, in reimbursement. She, could told, she was told she could go and take this wig prescription um, and find the wig of her choice, right? Uh, and that wasn't the case. When she went to her hospital where she was being treated, um, their boutique, they were only selling straight haired wigs. She thought, okay, maybe it's just here. Started looking across uh, the major hospitals in Boston. And as we know, Boston has a great major. medical system, major hospitals. Phenomenal. Um, phenomenal. And none of these um, hospital boutiques were selling wigs that represented Diane's natural hair. Um, she was in a phase that where she was wearing her hair as it grows out of our heads as black people, right? Um, unstraightened, um, no chemical relaxers. And she was just like happy that she had this wig prescription. She was gonna go and get this wig. Um, not finding it in Boston, we thought, okay, maybe it's just a Boston thing. So together, um, we started doing the research across the country. I kind of, I was living uh, in LA at the time. So I was still what, on the West Coast. What year was this? 2015. Oh. So we're like, it's 2015, like, you know, and the journey, the 21st century, uh, the 21st century and the journey of black women in particular, embracing um, their natural hair, their coily curly hair um, was huge. Yeah. Um, and it was a, 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 a just ongoing lifestyle um, embracing uh, change, not just a, 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 a moment or a movement, but just a whole lifestyle change where we were wearing our hair in its natural state and loving it. So she thought she could walk in and find a, a wig um, that represented her. And that wasn't the case. And when we did the research across the country, we found 
that it really was systemic. None of these hospital locations and, and uh, you know, people were uh, wanting her to kind of jump through hoops. Well, take this straight haired wig and go to uh, this salon over here and they'll put chemicals on it and kink it up for you. Or, you know. Oh my God, Diane, <laughs> I got to you know, put it out to the sister here. Were you like both just so shocked that, wait a minute, what? This hasn't, this problem has not been solved? Exactly. And not only um, not solved, Andy, I would say it it just let us know that we weren't even on the radar, really, um, as Black women or any woman with highly textured hair, curly, coily, kinky hair. Just we were not even uh, on the radar, um, but we were getting feedback as we were going along and we were making these calls. We were, we were getting feedback that, yeah, you know, we have patients who ask for them, but we don't have them. Distributors, the distributors that we're working with don't sell them. We've asked and nobody thought that this was an issue. And so when, so we, um, uh, to make a long story short, um, we, you know, we looked at the statistics. Okay. According right. to the American Cancer Society, one in three black women in their lifetime will be diagnosed with cancer. Um, and it's usually the type of cancer that um, the chemotherapy cocktail that you receive is going to make you lose your hair. Yeah. Um, uh, one data, out of three, everyone. One out of three. And which is somebody just... wasn't already doing the capitalist dance and going, I have got a great industry I've got, I can tap into here. Exactly. And then um, we also found out that almost 50%, I think it was like 40, just over 46% of um, Black women in the U.S., and just specifically talking about Black women in the U.S., are experiencing some form of medical or non-medical hair loss. Right. Um, and then Diane, I would say she, Diane being already in the uh, diversity and inclusion space, um, that's was her career um, uh, most of her life before mm -hmm. launching Coils to Locks. She's director of, of uh, diversity and inclusion at a major hospital. Um, and so she immediately recognized that this was a healthcare disparity. And she's like, this is a healthcare disparity and nobody's what? thinking of this, and, you know? And, and it's like, I, I just wanna look like myself. Um, you know, I, I, you, you're, you have a loss of control over all of these other things that are happening to you while you're going through this challenging, you know, journey of uh, healing from a breast, a breast cancer diagnosis. And this one thing that, you know, Diane thought she would have some control over, she found like, it's not the case. Right, and I get like, it's, you're going through so much of a challenge as it is. You don't want people to look at you and go, you don't look like yourself. <laughs> You know? Right. You know, and she knew she wanted to wear a wig. Not every woman wants to wear a wig, but do the you know, most do. Caps, yep. Yeah. And she didn't want to wear a scarf. She didn't want to come in, you know, with her hair one way, you know, one day and then with some straight haired wig that didn't represent her the next, bringing attention to herself. So it was all these things running through her mind. Um, and just, um, you know, so that journey, I actually flew in from LA to help support her and finding right. a wig when we realized that she's going to have to go into like a community beauty supply store where in a lot of cases the, the quality of the wig isn't as and also, good. What does, what does 350 get you? Like what are wigs normally priced at? Um, wigs, uh, depending on where you're getting them. And, yes. and, and of course, depending on the quality right. can, can run you, I, I'd say in the, the cancer medical, medical mm -hmm. salon spaces, 
uh, a wig on the retail side will run you anywhere from 150 upwards to 450 dollars, okay. so and that's a synthetic wig, not yeah. not even a human hair wig. Right. Um, yeah, in a beauty supply store, you can find them a lot cheaper, but the quality is wow. is cheaper as well. Um, and we'll get into that. And, and thank you, Sister Diane. Yes, I couldn't believe that there was not a diverse choice of wigs. I do find it ironic, Diane, that you were in DEI at a major hospital. <laughs> you were like, wait, what? The U.S. wig distributors have not addressed the needs of Black women interested in tightly textured wigs. Hard to believe. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. my gosh. So had you two been exposed to entrepreneurship? Is this like, is some, or was this a whole new world for you both? You know, growing up, let me preface this with, we come from a hardworking family, uh, immediate, extended family, our neighbors, everybody were, they were hardworking people, but nobody that we knew growing up um, had their own business. So we weren't necessarily exposed to that. Now we were exposed, um, uh, you know, to the arts and culture and, and, you know, our parents took us everywhere and that sort of thing. So we saw things. And so maybe I think there's sort of, maybe was this underlying thing, like there's a whole big world out world out there and you can be this and you right. can be that. So we had that in our head, but no, we, we weren't um, necessarily a, exposed to it. Yeah. I have a feeling though that you were, you were both problem solvers. So when, because this is what happens, you see a problem. A lot of people see a problem. They go, well, someday that'll get fixed. But you, Pamela, right. and Diane said, we're going to do that. And I'm always so curious, right? Mm-hmm. What compels people to go over that edge? Because folks, I'm, I'm a huge fan of launching a business no matter what happens, right? Mm-hmm. But it's still a big undertaking. Yeah. Did you start doing the research while you were working at other jobs? Was this a side hustle for a while? Is it still a side hustle? Yeah, we definitely um, kept our jobs. We were in um, a pretty lengthy pre-launch stage because we were figuring out the manufacturing piece. Like we had never done this before. Oh, please. We uh, were yeah. like, you know, not not only starting a bit. Well, I will say Diane dipped and dabbed in a couple of things. Yeah, we'll just bring it. <laughs> Go ahead and you can read your sister's comment, Pamela. Oh, I'll, I'm sorry, wait, and family. Oh, and she, literally, she literally said it. Yeah, I need, needed a little water there. What is she <laughs> saying? Yes, I have dabbed in entrepreneurship. <laughs> it's called New Day Organics. And yeah, she did. She she um, definitely was sort of our um, North Star in the, the entrepreneurial uh, world. And yeah. she, she had some pretty decent success with that. And, you know, I think the main thing was, you know, not having the necessary resources of knowing the things you don't, you know, you don't know what you don't know. Oh, so in those early years, she, yeah. you know, she didn't know if she, if she did certain and, things, and she so, might've scaled better. Right. As a, we can all look in that rear view mirror and go, <laughs> we could have done that better. Of course you could, but remember it's an experiment. Absolutely. And, and so, and especially when you're bringing in product, whether, you know, whatever product you have, if you have to get it manufactured somewhere and delivered and then take it to get it to the consumer, folks, there are so many parts and pieces that have to come together, especially sourcing, understanding where these are going to get made, you know, and how do you keep it, you know, ethical and all of the good things. Yeah. How, like in your exploration, where did you land on manufacturing? Because you had to figure out where you could get your specific coily to locks wigs. Yeah. That you weren't it, seeing being done anywhere. 
Exactly. And we didn't know anything about distribution or the manufacturing space. So, you know, margins, uh, <laughs> margins, any of that. So, you know, it was, it was partly Google University and, <laughs> you know, and trying to ask around, how you do know, I? Um, yeah, exactly. And trying to figure out how to, to access these manufacturers, which was, which was hard, um, it was difficult. That's why it took us a couple of years. And, you know, again, you don't know what you don't know and you don't even necessarily know the right questions to ask or how to even put it in the search. You're just oh, playing around. Know, when we had Billy uh, Shoes, the founder of Billy Shoes, which is, you know, shoes for disabled people. So they have another sense of freedom. They can at least get their shoes on, right? Mm -hmm. A sense of independence. His first order of thousands of pairs of shoes had to throw out 85% of the first batch. Oh, wow. <laughs> you know, but you know what happens is these mistakes and the experimenting yeah. <laughs> inform us, you know, and it informed him Absolutely. to go get a better ally and a better manufacturer. And then they've been fine ever since. And now Amazon and everywhere, Zappos and Nordstrom's carries them. Same thing with you. You had to figure out who's not only going to be able to produce what we want, but can they take it to volume and can they consistently give us the look and feel of what we're looking for. So, um, absolutely. Oh my gosh. And so yeah. here, let me just pull this up. So, you know, you're looking at all Yay. these wonderful, beautiful wigs. I mean, so you had to come up with the, the length, the type of coil and curl, right? Yeah. And, that was important to us mm -hmm. and color. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and some people who had gone gray, I mean, they didn't want to all of a sudden be like, Oh, she's getting her hair colored. What's going on? Or, you know, <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. So, uh, you know, on the manufacturing side, we really, um, um, well, we found out, you know, fairly quickly that most of the, if, if not all of the manufacturing um, mass production of wigs was done um, internationally and out of China. Yep. And so we then had, not having anybody boots on the ground there, we then had to figure out how to navigate that. Um, we found- um, And the fact that they take a whole month off- in February. Exactly. Oh, yes. That was a shocker. Um, <laughs> we were like, wait a minute. Um, you know, and it, that was okay too. Before COVID, you, you had, you know, a smaller window still, but now it's just the, that's a whole, I'm sure we'll get into that, that whole supply chain challenge. Um, but yeah, we, we basically um, called around and started getting samples um, and, and finally, you know, landed on a couple of manufacturers that we felt that the quality was there, they were getting the texture right. Cause again, yes. that was so important that, you know, we, we got the different textures of, of our hair um, and, and, and they could, you know, uh, mass produce these initially what used to be in a timely manner, but you know, that's a whole other ball game now. Right. <laughs> Richard O, I thank goodness for the audience to remind us. Richard O has reminded us, stitch that on a pillow. You don't know what you don't know. I can see that absolutely on the couch or the chair. Let's just do a quick hallelujah. It really should be like, yeah, <laughs> forget a nameplate on your desk. That should be, you don't know what you don't know. No, no. And it's okay. You know, it's okay not to know, especially if you're, you're being curious and you're asking the questions and you're, you're working towards figuring it out, but you, you just don't. And so you make those mistakes, but like you said, those mistakes are all part of the learning process and, and you grow from that. Right. And so because you want to be a social impact right, company, 
did you file your entity as a B Corp or did you, are you, because that folks, it's wonderful to be a benefit corp, but it comes with a lot of paperwork and a lot of constraints. Or did you go subchapter S or LLC? Yeah, we're we're LLC. Um, okay. You know, and I can see how B Corp would make sense because that's you know geared towards um, uh, environmental and social impact businesses. That corporation, um, we, you know, we've talked about possibly have maybe you know incorporating in a, in, a, in other ways in another way. Um, but right now we're, we're LLC. Okay. I always ask that question because some people go all the way with that. And it's, you know, you can still be a social impact a company folks and a for-profit company, but staying within the easy tax and filing <laughs> regulations of those. Um, I'm going to bring up some comments that Diane has is sharing because this is so important, whether you're in a rich community, resource community like ours here in Boston, tons of great accelerator programs and, and events happening all the time, or, you know, you can do get them virtual. It's so important. And so Diane is chiming in here with, we also took advantage of various Boston-based entrepreneurial programs to support our education around building a business. Shout outs. And Pamela and I are going to just cheer loudly yes. to organizations like TLE Consulting and Roxbury Innovation Center. You guys yeah. rock. Absolutely. And Diane goes on to say, and others along with people who gave of their time to help us like Barnett Sherman. Yay, Barnett! who met with us monthly for almost two years and others. I hate naming names because I always leave people out. Because you got to leave somebody out. It's like, <laughs> we love you all. We really do. And so many people did help us. So, yeah. yeah. It's so important. And so, um, yes, and, and Diane, I love this, you know, having Diane in the comments, adding to the conversation, we are interested in VC funding. And so, yes, you will need to change your status to a, at least a subchapter S or Inc., Folks, when you bring on investors, you can get angels in under an LLC, but when you go VC, you've got to be inked. Um, but I love that you took the time. There's this mythology around entrepreneurship that is supposed to happen like this. I don't know where they get that from. Every business <laughs> no. is a 10 year overnight success. Exactly. And it's the same thing in the acting world too. It's just like when, when people finally recognize you for that big thing that you do, it's like, where did that person come from? It's like, I've been doing this for 15 years. Same and, thing in business. Yeah. And, and so Pamela, what's it like co-founding a business with a sibling? <laughs> you know, it's, it's, I laugh because we get that question a lot. It's, and I find it interesting. We get that question a lot. And usually people do it with a, you know, a raised eyebrow, like, oh, I could never work with my sibling. What's it like working with your sister? You know, it's like, <laughs> we already know how to, how to have good fights, right? I know. No. Well, you see how we tag team each other. You see how she's here yeah. to support me. Like we really, we're, we're pretty close in age. We grew up sharing a room together. We we almost think alike, almost, yeah. um, but different enough that we, you know, we can balance each other out, especially in business where that's important. You know, you don't want, you know, you definitely need somebody who can have another point of view and all of right. that. Um, but we get along so well that we don't have issues. So people always are surprised when we're like, we 
We love it. It's great. I couldn't even imagine doing being um, and much hats off to the solopreneurs out there. Like I couldn't imagine doing this without my sister. Or, you know, um, meeting a stranger and co-founding a business with them and like exactly. all of a sudden having to have those awkward conversations that you guys have worked out years ago when you were fighting over dolls or something or clothing. Right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And like I said, we shared a room, so we've seen and done it all. So <laughs> I love it. So now you've worked hard over the two years and of course, with the help of mentors and the wonderful accelerator programs and other events that we have here in Boston, but you had to come up with your minimum viable product. And so you've determined the texture, you've got the styles, you've got your colors, but what did you start taking around? Because you had to get some money, I imagine, to and, and get some consumer interest. Take us on that journey. Yeah, um, like I said, we you know we would get samples from, and you know, and Diane could probably jump in here better on this because again, she was boots on the ground in our pre-launch stage. I was still out in LA doing things from afar, um, and so I think she took some samples around uh, to some of the hospitals once we got them. Um, but initially, I think some of those conversations, like we didn't even have a sample, we were just talking about the issue, and people resonated with the social impact part of our business for sure. And the fact, you know, the feedback we were getting that they have been looking for these wigs. Um, but all of our products, once we got them, they're, they're fully realized styles, um, you know, that have wig caps that are pretty standard other than sure. the wigs for medical hair loss don't have the cones in them because people with hair loss can't have nothing to anchor that. Right. And then the caps usually that, that are sewn, the hair is sewn. That is so key. Softer. And trying to, Trying to keep it comfortable. We know from Dolly Parton how hard that can be on the yes, wigs, right? Exactly. And Patty exactly. Austin, she's always talking about her wigs as well and getting at them to fit and feel so good. But more importantly, when you are going through such a traumatic period, whether, you know, it, do, it doesn't matter if, you know, it's cancer or medically induced hair loss, it's such a tough time. And you're, you're really having to pull on some deep courage as it is. And, you know, it's like to put on some lipstick as a woman, right? You know, you put on the, that wig and that hair, and especially when your hair has been everything about who you are and how you present in the world. This is huge. Yeah. So you all, though, decided you, you didn't go uh, you know, to consumers. You went through healthcare, insurance, and cancer centers, salon, Root. That's yeah. a B to B business model. So yeah. walk us through a little bit about that. You've got the manufacturing figured out now. You've got you know products that people can now order, and you know that you can trust that you're going to deliver a good product. But now you've got to build relationships with the places that are going to either have a picture of it in their books, right, or online, or in the salon itself. Yeah. Is that right. Yeah, definitely. We're we're now we're both a B to B and B to C, but we definitely launched. Um, as a B2B company that, you know, made most sense based on, you know, Diane's journey, the lived experience and, and the, the impact that we were trying to make at the hospitals, selling those wigs B, B2B. Um, uh, that distribution. And, and what was your question again? Oh, well, again I, how I, I was about to go off on a tangent and I was like, wait a minute, let me wait, wait. double well, down yeah, on the it's question. Just how do you start those conversations? First, you had to make the decision. This is how we want to enter because what you also saw with the health disparity, healthcare disparity was, wait, you know, so these insurance companies where applicable are, you know, giving you $350 for your wig and there's nothing there. So you're tying in with a couple of B2B entities. You're with the insurance companies. You want to make sure you're on their approved list, but also with the cancer 
salons the, at the cancer centers like Dana-Farber or Mass General. And so how did you go and get your entryway into those? Because distribution, yeah. folks tuning in, that is a key component is the where, who's going to carry your product, understanding the best fit, that first customer segment that you go after to prove your minimum viable product is so important because that's how you start to get traction and you become more attractive to investors and, and you begin to get the, the money in the door. So yeah. who was the one who went out to the, well, I imagine Diane, given that she was in the <laughs> hospital world, was familiar exactly. how to exactly use that it. system. That's exactly it. You know, all of it with a little help from our friends. I'll just start there. Um, but Diane, those first three hospitals, um, starting with the the MGH where Diane um, had her relationships, um, you know, she was able to to talk because she was in that C suite. She was able to talk to some people and get to the right get to the right person to get us to um, the boutiques and the hospitals. So those first three hospitals here uh, in in Boston. Um, MGH, Dana Faber, Beth Israel, mm -hmm. um, Diane, you know, bravo. Thank uh, you, Diane, to, <laughs> for that. And got us into those spaces. Um, but I'm, I'm telling you, we were blessed in our first year of launching. With, which was what year? Is this 20? Which was 20. So we launched November of 2019, four months before the pandemic. So... <laughs> Doesn't matter. People are going to lose hair anyway. They're going to lose hair. They're going to be diagnosed. All yes. of these things. It doesn't stop. Although, although the boutiques and salons stopped, they weren't considered essential. So we had to navigate that. And so mm -hmm. did they, because they still had to do the work just with their stores being closed. Right. Um, and so uh, we, we were blessed in 2020 to get some pro bono PR work um, at an amazing... Um, PR firm called Big Fish here in Boston. Uh, amazing. What happened? What did they? What what worked? What was that about? So they they managed to get us on um, major media platforms. We had an eight minute segment on the Today Show, People Magazine, In Style, L. Um, and if I backtrack, our first major media was Forbes, and that was through Barnett that yeah. Diane mentioned earlier. Um, and, uh, all of this brought people to us. So yes. we, in that first year, incredibly didn't have to do a lot of work. People were knocking on our doors because they were seeing, you know, and folks, um, we had Sabrina Stocker on last, I think in November, right. Talking about how important PR is for your business, especially if you're raising capital you know what, Diane's really added is. a few more goodies here, folks. I'm going to read her comments. We started by speaking to people in healthcare spaces with clinicians, patient advocates, healthcare administrators, and others to explore their thoughts about the need in this space. And we saw the gap in the market on the hospital medical hair loss salon side. And as a business, it was easier to take the role as distributor where it would have had the most impact. Aha. Uh -huh. And yeah. it would have been see, much how we more work difficult. so well together. Yeah. <laughs> no, this is good. This is what yeah, we want. We work this is well the information. together. Yeah, people need because it's a big decision to go B2B versus retail because you have to really understand your margins. And um, and Diane, you're absolutely right. When I launched my food manufacturing business, I went into food service because A, you know, women are considered minority. So I got part of the supplier diversity program, which I know you all can do as well if you haven't done it already through WeBank. 
but then it allowed me to keep my margins. I wasn't trying to compete on the grocery store shelf in retail. I was in major mm. corporate and hospitals, et cetera, and while I got volume up. And that's where you know you had to figure these things out. So how did you figure out margins? I'm always going to go there with a consumer product <clears throat> or in a B2B consumer product in your case. How do you, you, you got the pricing from your manufacturer and you realized, okay, it's going to cost this to do these types of wings and wigs. And I know different lengths and textures and styles are going to have different pricing, but then you had to add on so that you were going to make a profit, right? But you also had to be careful of what the consumer had an appetite for. All of that. And we're still learning, <laughs> um, you know, uh, particularly since we just launched the the e-commerce side, we have our online store now. It's it's only been like a month, you know, so oh, we're congratulations. Still, yeah. Uh, the November 30th. Exactly. We, we launched the e-commerce online store. Um, our margins are, are pretty healthy right now. Uh, because we haven't had a, a ton of ongoing expenses and then, you know, getting that free pro bono work, those stories that keep on giving. Um, oh yeah. Cause they become evergreen. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. And let me, let me just show you. So you did the PR stand and look what happened. Forbes people today, L Boston business journal, the Boston right. globe in style essence and you know, FedEx, what the building. Yeah. We were part of the FedEx learning, learning lab and, oh. and we won a grant. Yeah. It's, it's it's, and Boston, oh, you know, the, uh, the innovation rag there, startups to watch, proud grant recipient at Project Entrepreneur. This is wonderful. And Black Venture Accelerator, yay. Way to rock it out of the park, Pamela and Diane. That's amazing. And you know what I want to do, folks? I'm just going to um, go ahead and do a quick screen share of the e-commerce site because I think, you know, we want to do a little bragging here. Thank um, you. Let's see if I got the right one. I'm going to call up here. Let's see. Store. Okay, hold on. Store.com. Okay, let me just, I'll do my stop share for a second, everybody, and pull up the right, the correct tab. Because um, I really want you all to see how cool this looks here. And, and the options, because again, you know, we all have different hairstyle. And, you know, you might want to try if you've always had long and coily, you might want to go, go short or if you've always had short, you might want to go long. And I just think, you know, having that option and the fact that you have provided this opportunity for folks, yeah. here's the correct tab. And so folks can go down like this and go, hey, short, medium, long, Kimmy caps, braids and locks. I mean, yeah. this is a great selection for folks. Hooray. And you bring up a good point. It's, it, you know, it's a great way, you know, because with the online store, we're able to sell, you know, uh, to our secondary market, which is anybody who loves wearing wigs, right? Right. And it's a great way to um, uh, change up your look without damaging your own hair with color right. or changing the length and, and that sort of thing. So oh, I'm just going to yeah. go through this one more time for our video viewers, podcast listeners, be sure to hop onto coils to locks store.com to see this incredible selection. Yeah. And really? our Kimmy caps have a great story behind them. Um, Tell us. You know, unfortunately we lost our sister in 2020. Her name no. was Kimberly. Yeah. Our oh, oldest so sister, sorry. Kimberly. Thank you. Um, yeah, it was unexpected. And uh, she was the biggest champion of our business and she loved the hats with hair. And so uh, when we got these, um, 
locked and braided hats with hair, we were like, we're going to name them Kimmy Caps oh after in, in honor of our sister Kimberly. So, oh my gosh, are they more comfortable? I'm just wondering, you know, they just look like the, the caps with hair look a lot more comfortable. I'm just yeah, saying. you know, and they're, you know, just really just grab and go like whoop, out the door, you know? Right. And yeah. what a beautiful way to share and honor your sister's memory and yeah. keep her alive in your hearts. Right. Yeah. Thank oh, you. I'm so sorry for your, for your loss on that. Um, hey, Mia Voss. So happy you're tuning in and catching these wonderful founders. Everybody knows that when Mia swings by, I stop everything and share her phenomenal podcast, <laughs> which we all need to listen to. It's called Shit We Don't Talk About with Mia Voss. Go to shitwedonttalkaboutpodcast.com and find out where you want to listen to it. It's on all the popular podcasts. And she has the topics and a delicious way of being able to talk about those things that we don't talk enough about. So thanks, Mia, for swinging by. And um, Pamela, you know, she is, went on to say here, there was a hospital retailer who took us under her wing and told us that she and her competitors paid on the whole side in general, you know, it, and it helped them figure out pricing strategy. And, you know, we talk about this a lot on the show, Pamela, that pricing strategy is what helps you stay in business. And as female founders, you know, you want to make sure, you know, we're always up against our limit, limiting beliefs around money, right? Uh, mm -hmm. Just because of the indoctrination of centuries. Mm -hmm. And so whether you're raising money or what to charge and still, you know, do right by your consumer, but make sure that you're a profitable company. Exactly. You know, that's not easy to do. And did and how long did it take you to work that out? What kind of experimenting did you have to do? Um, again, we're still learning, <laughs> especially having just launched the e-commerce side, because that, that's a whole different beast, right? The B2B versus yep. the B2C, the direct-to-consumer side. Um, but yeah, just like Diane said, we got that, you know, we got support um, through one of the re retailers. Um, but I think also just... Um, uh, looking at something that you should do, look, look at what your competitors are doing, look right. at, see what other people uh, are, are selling these wigs for. We did focus groups and things like that as well. Um, you know, and, not only for uh, around the wig styles, but to see what people's but they all um, seem sensibilities are. Very reasonable. I mean, the Kimmy caps were at different, you know, $200 where the Amani coily is 175. These are all within the budget that, folks get for reimbursement. And how does one know exactly. that that comes with their insurance plan? Is it typical for insurance providers to provide this reimbursement? It definitely depends on your insurance provider, but a lot of insurance providers do um, reimburse for up to $350 um, right. for a wig, but it, it depends. And um, the on the hospital side, they will take care of that for the patient, the whole process, we'll take them through the process. Um, right now, we're not um, doing, we're not processing those in, insurance, yeah. invoices, but we will, uh, we have a whole bunch of information, a whole page on our site about how to navigate the insurance piece. Excellent. And we also provide an invoice because you have a, have to have a, a professional invoice with the company logo and all That's that stuff. That's more than most companies will do for you. Yeah. So bravo to you for making the journey easier. Because again, if someone's going through chemo, it's like, what? I got to do one more thing. Exactly. You know, they want to be able to say to their friend or their support system, go and take care of that for me. Exactly. And, and we plan to, to, to do um, in the near future to be able, um, we were to figure out how, how we might be able to 
help people through that process more. Exactly. Yeah. So now you've, you, you've gotten all this press, right? I'm just going to bring that up again, because that's just so delicious. And you've got to be able to meet orders. You've got to be able to scale. You've got to be able to grow. I'm thinking you're going to be moving into a lot more hospitals. Now you have the store. I imagine as the word gets out, you're going to be getting a lot more orders for these beauties here. Um, how are, is your manufacturer prepared to, to scale with you? Have you had those conversations? Um, they are. We're, you know, we're working with one of the um, major, it may be the number one um, manufacturer in China, and then we have a second manufacturer. Um, we are looking to di diversify um, so that our eggs aren't all in one basket, especially like we talked about earlier, the supply chain issues where it would take somewhere like two to three months to, right. to get your, your inventory. It's taking like six months you know, um, to, to get your inventory. So we're having to anticipate um, how things will move. Right. Um, and in and, and, and order now in a way, I think, and I think a lot of people are in this boat, but order now in a way that, you know, you may not have done in the past, just so you have the inventory to meet the demand of the consumer. Um, we're still figuring out what that looks like, especially on the e-commerce side. The, the B2B side moves a, a little slower because there's a lot of red tape, you know, that they have to answer to people and people have to sign off on things and whatever. But the, the, the online store will start to move faster. Um, right. And so, you know, our, our fear has been like, we're going to run out of inventory. And then, you know, um, so trying to every, figure out how to navigate that. Right, exactly. How to navigate that, how to move forward with, with marketing and, 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 you know, making sure we have the inventory. Uh, yeah, in and place. I think, I think the key too, Pamela, is the ability to communicate with your users, being able to keep the dialogue. And since the pandemic, everybody knows there's a delay on everything. Yeah. Uh, at least it's not toilet paper anymore. And so... <laughs> <laughs> and so we're grateful for that. But, you know, so the, having those conversations, founders, you can't ghost your your users. You have to be in constant, hey, you know, and you can do that on your Instagram feeds or LinkedIn and your social platforms. You can do it through emails and just, you know, keep them in the fold. Keep them part of your journey. You can, you know, talk about what's going on in manufacturing or this or that or how great, you know, you can just do a quick wig demo or what you both did yesterday on IG, which is a lovely, the two of you said, hey, here's an update. Here's where we are as we enter 2023. It, it gets, you know, folks, you know, behind you as founders as well and, and creates a, a more um, engaged way so others can be a brand ambassador for you and get the word out. And how, um, how have you funded this journey so far? Did you get angels? Do you, I mean, we always laugh here at the Startup Life Live show. People always say, oh yeah, friends and family. And a lot of people are like, are you kidding? My friends and family are borrowing from me or they're sleeping <laughs> on my couch. What do you mean friends and family? Another well, exactly. well, initially we bootstrapped like a lot mm -hmm. of people. Um, we, uh, also early on got a low interest loan for $20,000 through another wonderful group. We work with the Optima Entrepreneur Cooperative, um, Excellent. in conjunction with Berkshire Bank. Yes. Um, oh, Berkshire Bank, shout out to you. You're wonderful for entrepreneurs. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, and we've, we've secured the past couple of years, probably over a hundred thousand dollars in non-dilutive non funding through grants and such. And folks, just so you know, non-dilutive means you're not giving up a and any iota of your equity. That means exactly. this is money that's coming in and you're saying, thank you very much. 
But speaking of equity, (laughs) (laughs) right now we are in the middle of an equity crowdfunding raise through the WeFunder platform. And our, yeah, so our ultimate investment raise goal is $250,000 to be. When did you launch um, on WeFunder? We launched in October. Was it October, Diane? No. Diane, throw the link into the comments, would you please? I want to put it up on the screen and I'll put it into the show notes as well. Folks, equity Um, crowdfunding is such a delicious way to be an investor. You know, you're as as Warren Buffett is always saying, when you buy equity in a company, right? You're you're an owner. And most of us, of course, are not accredited investors, but what these wonderful equity or Reg C crowdfunding platforms do for us is that you can slap down, what's your minimum investment amount? A hundred dollars. Yeah, a hundred dollars. So you can- Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I'm excited. To folks to remember, <laughs> you know, you can slap. I do this all the time. You know, why go out to dinner when I can slap down a hundred bucks and be part of, you know, coils to locks journey or some other founder's journey. It's so wonderful. Exactly. And get, get uh, you know, right on a return on your investment as we grow, that grows for you. And we're less than, I wanted to make this point because we're less than $5,000 away from reaching our first milestone of $50,000. Oh, and that's important. Um, I, I want to share that because it's yes. important for us to hit that $50,000 mark for a number of reasons. You know, it will it will boost Coils to Locks up on the WeFunder algorithm. That's right. Uh, which will give our campaign access to investors outside of our friends and family group and and potentially get us closer to that two hundred and fifty thousand. But it all it'll allow us to immediately access the funds to support our strategic growth. And until we hit that fifty thousand dollar mark, um, we won't be able to access right. any of the funds. We don't by the end of our campaign, we would have to give everybody their everybody, money back. It, so, and, 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 for, and folks, it's it's earmarked in your credit card until Coils to Locks closes, closes. on the round. Yeah. So um, you won't see it hit your account officially until you get the statement from them. Accented Glory, Tanya saying, proud Coils to Locks investor here. Yeah, Tanya. And as you, as you mentioned earlier, less than Three percent, I think it is, of women get venture capital money, and for women of color, it's less than one percent. I think it's zero point six percent to be exact. So you know, you were, uh, as we say here in Boston, you were wicked smart to go and go the equity crowdfunding route. And folks, if you're not familiar with equity crowdfunding, this came into being through the SEC in 2016, and it's a wonderful ability. It's all SEC compliant. And these platforms have done all the hard work and you provide the important documents. And I'm Diane, what is the um, link for the WeFunder? Okay, if you could pop that into the comments, that would be great. As Diane says, we are raising 250, but we need to get to 50. And we all heard about that. The yeah. wind that gets added to your sales when you do this. And, and I know so many women of color founders, Pamela, who have gone this route and had success. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. especially if you're a company that has inventory and products is so in, in someone. Oh, Mia Foss. She's saying to celebrate my new big contract, I will be investing in coils to logs. Oh, yay! yay! <laughs> oh, we love that. Thank you so much. Oh, Thank bravo, you so much. Mia. Yay. Um, and but folks, I will get the link and it will be in the show notes. So you could probably go to WeFunder, W-E-F-U-N-D-E-R.com and just do the search for coils yeah, to locks. Yeah, forward slash coils to locks. If you yes. write that in the URL, wefunder.com slash 
coils the locks. Excellent. Well, we're so proud of you because, you know, the bias is real and I have very strong feelings on the bias actually not changing until the real source of the money, money, you know, the big hedge fund institutional funds start looking like you or me when they are the ones who are writing the checks and making the decision. And when they give their 400 million to a fund and they say, this has to go toward diverse founders, unless that happens, everyone's going to be going what I call the Andreessen way of uh, investing, which is uh, male, pale, and stale with all due respect to my wonderful white men out there who I love and adore, (laughs) but enough already. No, it's true. It's true. It's true. (laughs) So Pamela, as you and, and uh, Diane have been navigating this journey together. You know, we get our sort of success milestones in our heads and they evolve as we go along, right? But what does success look like for you today for Coils to Locks? And I, and I stress, what measuring tape are you using to measure your success? Because oftentimes we look out in the world and we go, well, we can't be successful because we haven't done what so-and-so has done yet. And that is a waste of your time, founders. Really pull into your heart what success looks for yourself and celebrate it. So Pamela, what does success look like for you in time? Yeah, definitely. Well, as I established earlier, I am a self-professed personal development geek. So, I, you know, it definitely starts with working on myself always, you know. Success looks like me being the best version of myself from day to day. Mind, body, spirit, and then helping others do the same. But I'm of that, of You've got to put your own oxygen mask oxygen mask on first in order to you know help others. Right. So um, even if that's just by example, right? Um, Business wise, um, all of that is part of it. Being of service um, in a big way. Uh, I love that we're a social impact business, disrupting a healthcare disparity that fuels me every day. That feels great. That feels great. Yeah. Um, we're helping women shine and feel more like like themselves and have a sense of dignity during a challenging process, whether from cancer or losing their hair from some other means. You know, yeah. so that's I love that. That's success. It's both a, a it's both a feeling and an outcome. Absolutely. Me. And are you seeing yourself scale nationally this year? And could you ever become international? Absolutely, all of the above. So we are. We actually just hired a, a second um, contractor to help us do outreach. We've gotten some great marketing um, research was done for us through Deloitte, also pro bono. The pro bono method. You find the pro bono work. Come on, um, folks! Find people <laughs> who will add wind to your sales exactly. just for doing the good. Exactly. So now you know we we know where our target market is where they live what they do what their psychographic thought we like we have all of that and so we're going to start to do the outreach on the the hospital side and we are also um have just been in conversations we're looking to hire a a marketing person because on the e-commerce side it's so important direct to consumer that you you know you have your seo right that's right and you're um you know doing some level of ad spend you know we realize that um, that organic growth is nice, but it really doesn't get you to oh, the no, no. right no, no, no. people. I, uh-uh. And it, <laughs> folks, know? it's really inexpensive to do Google ads. I'm just saying there's a YouTube video for that and you can reach and you can target with your Google, you know, go to adsads.google 
and they'll explain everything and then go on YouTube. And there's some wonderful how-to videos that actually hold your hand <laughs> to do the yes. whole process. It's wonderful. Exactly. You have to advertise. And Diane, thank you for the stats here. She says, we are already in 15 hospitals and medical hair loss spaces across the country. And we are being more aggressive in the next few weeks to expand our outreach. And folks tuning in, share coils to locks with your tribe on social media, wherever you glow, because you know there's a woman of color who needs to know about this. And these are very reasonably priced wigs. They are textured appropriately. They are set for a woman of color's hair and uplift another woman, you know, by letting her know about this opportunity, but also Tell them about, tell folks about the WeFunder campaign. Let's get to that 50,000. Yes, we're $5,000 away. <laughs> Yay. Yeah, and then as then. Diane says, getting to our minimum 50K goal will help us with our planned outreach across the country and eventually globally. So that's terrific. Bravo, yeah. sisters. <laughs> sisters <laughs> hashtag sisterpreneurs, as we yes. like to say. Entrepreneurs. I got to throw the Boston accent in there, folks. What can I tell you? And, you know, you as an actress, right? Your background, folks, I don't, we didn't get to Pamela's lived experience so much, but you have a background in acting. And so how has this helped you create a mindset that can get you through the day? Because every founder feels inadequate. I don't care how experienced or how famous or whatever it's part of the human condition, especially if you're doing something new. What helps you, Pamela, stay strong during these moments of doubt and help you put your game on, right? And show up ready to glow when you need to, instead of biting your nails and staying under the covers. Um, oh gosh, so many things. But I think, um, I don't know, I think most feelings of inadequacy, at least for me, uh, is about not feeling prepared or knowledgeable in something yeah. or simply the fear of the unknown, right? So simply I, I try to get as prepared as possible as much as I can. And, and I keep that mantra in my head of feel the fear and do it anyway. You know, I know we've yeah. heard it a lot, but you know, it's so important to do that. And I think being an actor has definitely prepared me for that. Um, Cause you're I'm constantly having to, you know, go out and look for jobs and, stand in rooms and, you know, present myself like right, I'm, the, and I'm get, the product. So and get rejected and get, get rejected and feel inadequate as you look around over. the room and go, oh, yeah. geez, I don't have a chance. Exactly. I go on 50 auditions to, to get to one job. Like all of that has definitely prepared me. Um, and I you like know, that, I, you know, feel the fear, do it anyway. I can see Richard. I was going, that's another stitch that on a pillow moment. You know, folks, it, it's not a cavalier thing that we say. I mean, there's no antidote for uncertainty. There's no antidote for fear. So you just you just have to hold its hand and say, thank you, and I've got this, right? Give fear a hug. And, you know, Diane, you know what I, I mean, Pamela, what I do a lot is I use the chocolate cake example. Uh -huh. So you're making a chocolate cake, right? But the ingredient that's going to make it successful is that baking soda. And, you know, baking soda on its own, oh, right? But you put it into that chocolate cake and man, is that delicious. That's exactly. how you need to look at your fear and doubt. You got to mix it into the blend. Yes. yes. <laughs> and, and find people that you trust. And, and um, you know, luckily I have a lot of those people in my life um, that I can talk things through with, um, even if it's not 
family or friends, you know, like we've talked about, there's so many um, organizations and groups out there, especially now um, that support entrepreneurs and startups. Um, There's a great um, free online score.org, which I'm sure you're familiar with, um, where you can get a mentor for free. Like it's, there's so many resources out there. Right. Leverage that founders always ask for help too. I mean, that's, you know, what Diane's, uh, Pamela, I'm sorry. Pamela I know, we've we become one now. <laughs> <laughs> what Pamela is saying here, because it's so important to grab those resources. You are not expected to know the answer, okay? It is part of this journey and no matter how far along you are at. And Diane wants to let us wants to let us know that we are also want to get our wigs into the film and TV production space based on the disparities that Pamela is aware of through her lived experience as an actress. What does Diane mean by that, Pamela? Yeah, definitely. There's um, it's getting better because there's uh, awareness on it now, but there haven't been generally, uh, particularly in the hair and makeup space people who can do hair for women of color, black women, people with darker toned skins. Um, And so uh, even celebrities have had to come to set using their own, bringing their own makeup or makeup person wearing, you know, a wig because they don't want just anybody messing in their hair. Um, And so I've experienced that. I've experienced where I just like, I just bring a bag of wigs and, and just when I recognize that that person is probably going to, make me bald. Uh, I just go here, I've got this and, and put it on. So there's challenge, there's challenges. Um, still, right. um, it's, it's changing slowly, but there's well, and it helps even the playing field. And now your products can make it so much easier for folks, whether, you know, Broadway film commercials, all the places. Yes. I just love this. And now, I mean, yes, you know, your sister, Diane has dabbled in entrepreneurship, but you're, you've been fully into this now for seven years going on eight, really. How has entrepreneurship served you both personally and professionally? What changes and shifts have you seen that have made you a more fully expressed person? Oh my God. Well, I simply, I, I love being an entrepreneur. Uh, and, and I really, and I recognize too, um, that I've been one all my life as an actor, right? Show business. I've been 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 an entrepreneur so uh, um i love saying the word um and even through the ups and downs and the challenges i've been stretched in such a good way um again just back on being of service um as entrepreneurs we have to put the people that we serve the customer right. first right um, put their needs first. That and that sometimes doesn't always align with your needs personally or professionally. Um, I may love a certain wig style, for example, big poofy hair, bangs, or whatever. But if that's not the trend, or if that's not what the consumer wants, you have to rethink that. You have to think from that perspective. That's right. Um, See that that mindset that you have there. It shows why entrepreneurship is so wonderful for you as well, because you want to make the world a better place and space. And by serving your customers and having that, your customer and your love of your customer and the love of the problem that you're solving, not so much solution, the problem founders, Pamela is giving us an incredible example 
of that is how you are successful. If you always yeah. keep serving your customer and keeping that front and center, as well as your team members, of course. Exactly. You exactly. know, and, and elevating them, then you have a great chance of succeeding. And that's why you can't be an entrepreneurship for the money, right, Pamela? You got to have that North Star inside of you that helps you get out of bed every day because some days are not really, you're looking at the world going, I don't, I don't want to deal with that. Right. But when you're when you're client-centered and service-centered, it sort of it strengthens your mission, your why. Mm -hmm. And grounds your purpose and it, it allows you to make decisions you wouldn't otherwise make. It makes you get out of bed. Um, yeah. You know, it, it, it spills over to, to your personal life as well. You know. And the, the good news is for you, you've got a beloved sister that you get to hold hands with. So in the good and the yeah. bad, right? Like, oh my God, what were we Absolutely. thinking? And then, yay, we're amazing, <laughs> you know? So. Yes, when she's anxious and nervous, I'm, I become more grounded. When I'm anxious and nervous, she becomes more grounded. Like we're there for each other and, and balance oh. each other out in so many ways. Oh, I love that <laughs> something fierce. Any last thoughts before I pop you in the green room and wrap up this delicious conversation? Oh gosh. Um, last thoughts. We, you know, just thank you everybody, um, for your time and attention, uh, as we continue to, uh, expand and diversify and, and grow. Um, I would just say, fine, you know, just support us, engage with us on social media. Um, um, you know, all, check all, out the WeFunder. Yeah, all the links, um, <laughs> everybody, will be in the show notes, okay? Yeah, so you, you can know, support exactly. this wonderful work you're doing. And I'm yeah. so excited to share this, you know, deeper into the communities out there in the world as well, because you are solving a problem that I am sure many people who tuned in are going, what? You really? Like, that wasn't right. done already? Exactly. And, <laughs> and I have to say, I say that often. Like what? You mean that? Part? But even if something has been solved already, folks, it's never, it's not been solved by you for the people you're solving it for. So that's important to remember. Thank you, Pamela, and to Sister Diane in the comments today for joining me and sharing your wonderful and remarkable startup stories and founder Thank journey. You. I'm so grateful to have had you come on and share your unique experience with the Startup Life Live community. I'm grateful that you okay. did too. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm going to pop you the green room and wrap up. You know, I could go on forever talking to Pamela and the sister who's right here. Thank you, everyone. Diane, thank you, Diane, for adding your glow to the comment section. It's just so important that we uplift each other, founders, right? That we share um, our wind and help open doors for each other. This is not a journey that we go on alone. And we heard you know, from Pamela and Diane, the great folks that have helped them along the way. And so I'm just going to remind you again to be sure to ask for help. And next on the Startup Life Live show. Yep, that's right. It's that time to talk about who's coming on next. And it's Tuesday, January 10th at 12 p.m. ET. We're chatting with Ashley Wayman, founder of Shimmy, a customizable and eco-friendly hand sanitizer system, elevating the way businesses provide this necessary consumable to their employees and customers. And it's built to last and it's impeccably designed and they're made with as little plastic as possible. I mean, they've got everything going and glowing and, and Ashley has a fascinating background. She was a big part of Rue 
Rulala as well as Wayfair and helping them get public. So we're going to get some great information from her. And how do you know whenever I'm posting a new show, who's going to be the guest on the next show, whether it's a Tuesday or a Fab Female Founder Friday, you hop on the Startup Life Live meetup group, join us, sign up. You're going to get two, well, I should say four alerts a week, you know, two when I post the show and uh, two for when I remind you that we're going live that day and with whom. So join the meetup group. Until next time, check out the wigs here over at Coils to Locks. Just so amazing. And in the meantime, remember that you're strong enough and you are wicked smart enough, as we say here in Boston, to be doing what you're doing with your business. I admire you for getting up every day and moving the ball forward. And be sure to stay in touch, reach out, say hi. And until next time, I'm wishing you a delicious day everywhere you glow. Mwah to all and happy new year.